Welcome to Bleeding Edge Interviews. I am your host, Super Dave. Thank you for joining me as I spend some time talking to the people responsible for all the amazing music you hear on Bleeding Edge every Saturday on Toxic Radio. This is where we get a little bit of insight into the minds of the people who are making the choice on a regular basis to deviate from the norm and push the boundaries of hard rock and metal. Okay, if you're familiar with the band's saga, then you're almost certainly also familiar with the distinctive and virtuosic guitar playing of founding member Ian Crichton. He has been wowing people for decades now with his signature blend of melody, technique, and complexity playing for Saga. Now, I I don't think I'm overstating it at all to suggest it's impossible to watch or hear him play and not come away seriously impressed. So those of us who call ourselves fans of his are very excited to hear now that he is involved with a new project, a band called Six by Six. This is a super group featuring vocalist and multi-instrumentalist Robert Ferry, who has worked with some notable prog icons, Keith Emerson, Carl Palmer, among others, and also Nigel Glockler, the drummer of seminal metal band Saxon. Ian was very kind to spend some time chatting with me about his new band and the opportunities it presents to him and what it's been like to work with his new bandmates, what their plans are for touring, and of course, his passion for making music. All right, so without further ado, here is my conversation with Ian Crichton of Saga, and now also of 6x6. Ian, thank you for joining me this evening. Absolutely appreciate your time. Um, Honestly, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm going to start by geeking out just and ever so slightly, because it's sort of one of those things that sort of struck me only after I set up the interview. I went, holy smokes, I've been listening to this guy wail on that guitar for since I was 13 years old. And that uh, just to do some math for folks, about 40 years at this point. I mean, since since On the Loose hit big in the U.S. So it, it suddenly put it in perspective for me because I, I tend to forget I'm not 23 anymore. Uh, my brain's 23. The rest of me, not so much. But I just want to say it's a, an absolute thrill for me to hear one of those people I've been listening to for so long uh, and just has such a distinctive guitar style that I could pick you out of a lineup anywhere. I, I'm just I'm thrilled you're here tonight. Awesome, Dave. Pleased to be here. Not to, to geek out too much, but just I had to get that out of the way just a little bit. And I'll be uh, I'll try to act more professional at this point. But it's um, swelling. <laughs> but you got uh, you got big things going on. So you got this new project. You, you you've got six by six. You've pulled together some guys. You know Robert Ferry, who's done a bunch of things, but you know including working with two thirds of Emerson Lake and Palmer. You got Nigel Glockler of Saxon. Yeah. Um, I tell us a little bit about the genesis of the band because I I know you guys had made acquaintances years ago, so there has been these little connections throughout the years. But it seems I guess it took a long time for it to finally bear fruit. What what what's the story behind the creation of the band? Excuse me. Well, I knew about Robert, but I'd never met him. We played uh, actually funny enough. We played uh, headliner festival in uh, Rostock, New York City, Prague rock festival uh about three four years ago and he was on it and we brushed shoulders they didn't talk i saw 3.2 was on the show and that's my sense of robert actually <laughs> nigel uh, uh, him and i have bumped into each other for years uh playing uh same festivals in europe mainly never really talked 
I talked to a singer Biff, a few times, but uh, we were introduced. I mean, I got a call in August, September of 2020, right the first year of the COVID. And we just finished the acoustic saga record. And I was, you know, not much going on. And I got a call from Nick Shilton, who's Robert's manager. And they were wondering what his next move was going to be. And he wanted to do something guitar-wise and all that. My name came up. And uh, they contacted me through Facebook. And um, it really started from there, you know. Uh, I was into it initially. And, and, you know, we had to talk first. And and then we passed back and forth our first uh, tunes we were writing. And wow, uh, it was really clicking. And I got really excited and I went, let's do this. So it was a chance to do a guitar record, which is really nice for me, you know, uh, get away from the keyboards. There's a few keyboards on the record, mainly supporting things and stuff like that, which we'll be able to pull off live, <laughs> but mainly guitar record. So I was super happy to do that. I can imagine, yeah. I was going to say, I know you've been quoted as saying you've uh, made a habit over the years of mostly saying no to projects, side projects. Uh, so I'm kind of curious, what, what was the hook that got you into this one you went, where you went, oh, yeah, I want to do this? Well, uh, Robert's got a name, you know, coming with Keith Emerson and Carl Palmer. And Keith Emerson, when I was 12 or 13, I went to Toronto to see their first show in Bar City Stadium, an 8,000-seater and there must have been a hundred people there just along the front and they played great. Oh my gosh. Blew me away. And I, I was a fan of Keith. I mean, I'm a guitar player, but you know, he's kind of like the guitar player of keyboards sort of thing. He's, you know, he's gentleman. And, uh, and so, you know, Robert coming from that was really enticing for me. Um, Nigel came in later because Robert and I wrote the record over uh, the year of 21, actually 2021. And, uh, we tossed around a lot of drummers, a lot of great drummers, but we wanted to build a band that was, you know, like different sort of thing. I, I wasn't looking for a, some really flash, flash drummer to overplay in the songs. Um, so, and we settled on Nigel because uh, Robert and Nigel had worked together in GTR with uh, Steve Powell and Steve Hackett. <laughs> and he suggested Nigel. And Nigel's coming from a heavy metal band, and I, I thought, wow, you know, I mean, you know, Robert's prog, I'm kind of both worlds or whatever, I'm, <laughs> and uh, Nigel's heavy metal, so what's what's that going to sound like? And uh, bingo, we're great. I mean, I'm super happy with that. Uh, we've made our own sandwich with 6x6, six six, yeah. which is what I was telling the guys in the first place. we, we got to do something like that, you know. Nice. Yeah, there's there's a lot to be said. I've I've often said as as much as um you know a huge prog nerd, I like a lot of different things. There is oftentimes it, it's a forgotten art to know how to fill the space versus overfill the space, where people get can get easily carried away, and as you said, overplay the song and 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 do so much that they almost you you, you lose aspects of the song that maybe you're better said with a little bit of a restraint. Yeah. Well, you know, that's kind of fine for them. You know, it's just, I, I just didn't want it to be like that. I wanted this record to be, <clears throat> which is what, how it turned out. Mm. It's got a bit of a lot of things in it. You know, I even psychedelia points, just, you know, at moments right. and, you know, and good listening. And I, I didn't want to do a uh, instrumental record. I wanted this to be a band. Right. 
And again, usually the attraction for solo projects, side projects and things like that, that I'm sure brings a musician in is, is that opportunity to be able to do something a little different. I know you were saying for you, it was like the idea of having a band where your the music is primarily guitar driven. So I know yeah. that had to be big for you, obviously, because yeah. what else do you think this represented for you too, as an opportunity? Freedom. I mean, yeah. you know, to, to really come out with a guitar and, and not worry not, not worry is not the right word. I mean, not to be concerned about what the keys are doing, keyboards and things like that. Chance to jump out, chance to be big, loud and proud, you know. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, all that, you know. Yeah, just to I'm kind really of look forward to touring too, uh, because I'm a real, I'm a road animal, really. I mean, you, you got to get out there and start playing. And I'm not one for making a record and not going out. You know, so we need to come to America. Yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. I will be there for that. Uh, especially if you can hit the Philly area, that would be nice and convenient, but hey, I can go out of my way. Was there, I think for me, when I listen to it, uh, you know, when I think and I can compare and contrast what I've known you for most of my time, um, the idea that you really did seem to fill the space there for you, that, that you were given a little more room and it just seemed as big as I've ever heard guitars from you, which was to me really awesome because, you know, like seeing you be able to cut loose or should I say hearing you be able to cut loose, God willing, I'll get to see you cut loose. Um, was very cool. Were there, were there any different techniques, any different recording styles or anything else that you threw in there that was different from what you've done before when you were looking to fill that space? Um, as far as effects or, or things like that, so I, I, I'm, I've said this before, I'm, I'm kind of Mr. Dry, you know, mm-hmm. um, even live uh, in a hall, there's enough reverb and all that there that, you know, it, it just sounds great to me. I, I, I plug directly into my amp pretty much. Um, that way you can hear everything you're doing with your fingers. If, if the guitar is too processed, you know, if you've got too many things going on, whether it was chorus and all these things, it, it almost becomes, to me, it almost becomes like uh, all the bands that are using the vocalist right now, crank on full blast that jumps the notes, and, you know, the new, the new raping. Makes everybody sound exactly the same. Yeah. And it's hard to do little things on the strings and all that, you know, if it's not dry. And also... I like to give them a solid signal up front. So I will have a little delay here and there. Uh, Reason to be calm has that. Mm. And that's needed. I would use that out front. On stage, I would be dry. And I would hear the delay out there. And the reason is we don't play to a clip. So our sound man, John O'Sullivan, who will be, he um, he taps in the, the uh, tempo of where we're playing. So it's perfect. Okay. And he can blend it perfect too. So I'm not giving him too much, yeah. not enough notes, and all that kind of problem. You know. And that's a part where you I mostly follow, not an instrumentalist myself, so I but I pick up a lot of those things and, and it makes sense to me, which I like the fact that you can describe it to mm-hmm. a fairly lunk-headed non-musician like myself. And I and I get what's going on. And I, I gotta wonder what what was how did with that focal point in mind and then working with somebody you've not worked before in Robert Ferry, 
what was different in the, the, the compositional workspace for you guys? What was, uh, what was new? What was challenging? I came up with a lot of this stuff, actually. Um, and some of it was on the back burner with Saga. Uh, the song Skyfall, that lift, oh, yeah. I actually wrote when I was 21. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and I've liked that. really liked it. But, you know, Saga never used it, and I just put it on the back burner. Right. So I dragged out a few things like that and gave it to Robert. And Robert, wow. I mean, he's got arranging chops from heaven. I, mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. I give them a few sections of parts, whether it be a verse or a section. I gave him the, some of the instrumental musical parts we did, and he just put things to it. He, he'd either write a verse or, you know, an intro or something like that, send it back to me with full vocal. I mean, I'm not used to that, you know. And I really like Robert's voice. I mean, he's got a lot of character. It's exactly what I was looking for him. Not, um, you know, like a Steve Perry or something like that who's got a wonderful voice, but something more, you know, from the throat and the heart and all that stuff, you know, and, and Robert has that. Yeah, he, he's, he does have a, what I would consider, you know, like a really nice mid-range with a lot of warmth to it. But when he yeah. needs to crank it up and get past the warmth to some power, he's got that too. So he's, he's got a lot of versatility, I would say, to him. Yeah. I mean, for all I know, he does death metal growls too, but not for you guys. <laughs> um, I know he records a lot of bands too. But. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that does a lot to help uh, increase yeah, one's palate. Robert has a full blown studio in uh, Campbell, uh, California, an hour south of San Francisco. So that's that's got to be handy, I think, when you really want to do some work, whenever you want to do some work, and. Oh, yeah. Yeah, makes it easy. Well, when we got Nigel in the band to, to make the band complete, uh, Nigel was excited. He flew from England to uh, California and recorded all his drums in the studio. Oh, wow. Nice. So, you know, two-thirds of the studio have been, or of the record have been done in the studio. I did some of my stuff here. I'm, I'm set up really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I also went down there, too. So we didn't want it to sound um, internet yeah, and all that we want. I wanted the studio record, which we got, and you know that went to the pictures too. I mean, we had a choice of since we're so far away. Nigel's in England. I'm in Canada. Uh, Robert's in uh, California. That we could have uh, photoshopped ourselves together, but I didn't want that. Yeah, you know, we flew down uh, and met the guys in uh, California, and we did all that together. And it makes a big difference, you know, for unity and. Because yeah. it's not a side project, right? I think Six by Six is another band. So that's something you expect. There's going to be other albums down the road. This is going to be when you're not doing Saga, you're doing this. Yeah, it's a th- right now it's a three album deal with yeah. Sony Records. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's that's very encouraging for those of us that are really enjoying the music, because we know there's more to more to come down the road. Because there there it is very much in vogue, I think these days, especially in the prog world or prog adjacent, whatever you want to say, where the collaborations and side projects and super groups and all these other kinds of things going on that, you know, it's uh, what I love about it is it means you get to hear all kinds of different output 
from people that had they, you know, just stayed with their one band like they, they kind of mostly did back in the day, you never would have gotten the chance to, to, to hear it all because they never would have made it. Yeah, that's true. You have to stay in within context. I mean, even with Saga, we, in, back in 93, 94, we did a, a record called Steel Umbrellas, which was a sidestep from the band. I actually really liked the record, but it, it wasn't with the normal prog thing. It was actually done with uh, even Jay Cannell Productions, who does, you know, the TV shows, Hunter and all that stuff. Yeah. He had a new TV show called Cobra. And we were doing music for that and a record at the same time. So it wasn't our usual uh, style. Me just being a player, I found it refreshing just because it was different. I got to play a lot of rhythms and things on that record. But the audience let us know, nah, it's not the way to go. <laughs> so we went back with, you know, Generation 13 and all that stuff. Some people are difficult to please. Some people want you to stay in your lane and not go out and beyond that. And some of well, us are going, please do stretch the boundaries. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I kind of get it too. I mean, if they if they buy the record and you know they buy the band and, and you sound a certain way, it's not great to you know throw the pull the rug out from underneath them and go <laughs> somewhere completely else. Yeah. You take chances in your music and you know in, in arrangements and ideas, but you know keeping the same world as it is you know is the really the idea it's quite the balancing act i have no doubt that try to find that way to expand your horizons and yet not go so far that you alienate your your fans that are normally like you said used to hearing you a certain way <laughs> yeah which then i guess is nice when you get to do something like this where you go okay everybody out the way here guitar's coming in i'm playing hard and i get the impression the way you guys are approaching this is is not necessarily i guess uh, maybe i'm wrong that you, i don't think you're coming at it like ultra perfectionistic that you want to keep a certain level of rawness to it that will translate well live so you're not overdoing these things and you're keeping it very <sighs> that's what i'm looking for there's just the whole concept of getting the photo together rather than photoshopping it going to the studio doing like you guys are there and it's, it's got a very kind of down to earth genuineness to it. I think is what the best words I'm coming up with at the moment. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. That's another point I really wanted to, I didn't want it to be what's the right word. Super clean, mm-hmm. you know, all track clean in between playing muted. Everything's were squeaky clean, all the noise gone, all that. It, I needed some breath. I told the guys in the record, you know, like when you're in the studio, you're, there's going to be a little bit of noise and all that stuff on, if you solo the guitar, but you know, once it's in the music, you don't, you don't really hear it. It, it all kind of adds to the, you know, looseness almost, or the not overworking of a song. You know, I mean, a lot of the solos, but most of the stuff on this, I, you know, played a few times and went bang, and okay, that's it. And nor, you know, normally I, I would maybe dissect it. And, try to do something tricky or better or something like that. But I thought, you know, these things, it just feels right. It feels good. It, you know, really good. I mean, I'm going to leave it. So I left it. So a lot of the stuff you're hearing on the record is, was just one take, you know. And there's a vibe to that, you know. You're, I'm not overworking it. I I got into the tune. I really felt what I was playing. And, and, uh, and that worked for me, you know. And it, I imagine it makes it easier to 
one, it makes it a little easier to replicate it live because you're not trying to sound like this perfectly sanded off shaped thing that you created in the studio, but you can lean in, I think, a little bit more to the feel and the emotion of the song. And that's going to replicate it because it's not about every note exactly where it belongs. It's about how does this song feel and how do I want it to feel? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. You know, if you listen to some of my leads, <laughs> I'm not playing to a click or anything. Like that. They're, they're as, um, as Jimmy Page says, loosely tight. <laughs> I, I think he's a guy we can probably listen to a little bit. He, he knows a thing or two. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy knows a thing or two. I'm sure. Yeah. Everybody can't be as perfectionistic as a Neil Peart. <laughs> ah. So, and, and not in order that everybody should be, you know, I don't, I, like you said, you're blending a whole bunch of different styles and feels into the music that you brought to this album. Now I'm hearing that like each song has got a little bit of its own personality to it and other little aspects to it that perfectionism uh, probably wouldn't suit very well. Yeah. I just find, you know, doing it this way that we've done the record, it just has so much more feel to it, you know, more there's the band playing kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, not, you know, whole pile of stuff. And honestly, that makes life more difficult for you on the road, because I know you talked earlier about, well, we've got some keyboards in there, but mm-hmm. stuff we can replicate live, so... My it. mind goes to you. Is that is that like um, the way the song's written that you can sort of switch in and out, or do you got a pedal thing going on? How do you how are you achieving that? Well, we haven't got into rehearsal yet for live, but it'll be all all of that and above. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you talked about Neil Peart, Rush do that, and they pull it off great. Yeah, and, and there's no um, really fancy keyboard thing happening. They're they're just moments and melodies and, and things like that that you can pull off with your right hand yeah. you know, what is it uh, last word on earth uh, starts with uh, Hammond B3 and Robert is a great keyboard player he's going to just play that and then we come in accordingly you know things like that any mood stuff that's slightly behind the track yeah I can see just stepping on a pedal for that or something <laughs> you know yeah. More of a space thing than anything, you know. Yeah, there is always that consideration as well because you get a lot of stuff, you end up getting tied down to a spot, and that may or may not be what you want in terms overall of the performance. You know, if, if you yeah. like to move around and shift and, and turn to the various parts of the audience, you don't want to have too much equipment so that you're almost on a leash. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, there's going to be a couple. There's one song on the record. I'm going to. It'll, I'm going to need two acoustics just okay. for the middle part. And then yeah, I'll really. I take them away. Get them out <laughs> so I don't bump into them. That's when. That's when you need the fleet-footed and short-handed uh, crew to run out and help you trade them without tripping over something. I can only imagine. Thank God it wasn't a job for me. I'm certain I'd trip. <laughs> um, I, I've tripped before. <laughs> well, that's, I still um, wire, right? I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of guys wireless. And, um, you know, back in the late 80s, uh, we had the old Navy wireless systems that were metal. And they sounded fantastic. 
but then we got them stolen hmm. uh, in Rocket Cargo, New York City, actually. Oh, wow. And I went through a bunch of the other ones, and I just, I couldn't get the right sound out of me, and I plugged in with a cord and went, oh, there it is. So for the sound reason, I plug in with the cords. But that cord, <laughs> he's like an octopus, you know. Would that um, would that be representing when he, maybe your most embarrassing moment on stage? Uh, <laughs> did you go full down or just stumble? <laughs> I got one. Uh, we did a a song uh, in Saga called Trust. Hmm. It starts with guitar and spotlights from the back of the auditorium hit me, and I play the opening chord. Well, I I just gone back to my uh, amp. Sports Bob Cadman to just make sure that everything was right. And in the corner of the cabinet are little steel shoulders, little steel so you don't uh, rip the corner of the cabinet, little uh, elbows, you know, kind of thing. Right. The baby string of my guitar got caught under the elbow. <laughs> and the lights come on, and I'm struggling with this. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Has been stuff like that. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> stuff in the amplifier, you know. <laughs> Great story. I can only imagine how it is to try and recover from that moment mid-song. Did, did you guys have to stop the song and start over, or did you find a way well, to, was, to dig out of it? That was the very beginning. That was my intro. Right. <laughs> the lights came on, and I'm struggling <laughs> with the stuff at the end. <laughs> you start over again. There Just you go. Walk out there and smile and start. You know. Do the walk of shame. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. That's and awesome. you know what? It's 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 it, some ways too that that can be that mistake you do at a point of concert that once you go well, okay, now about the worst thing that can possibly happen just happens. So I'm relaxed for the rest of the show now, and I'm looser than I might have been otherwise. <laughs> yeah, it can be that way. <laughs> so with this, I'm, I'm curious because you know when when you've had a long career like you've had and, and been able to do things for decades. I got to wonder the bucket list you might have for your career is getting shorter if you haven't already met it. So I'm kind of curious, was there anything in this project that you got to tick off the bucket list or what do you still have out there left? Well, you know, basically, I mean, six by six could, it, it will, you know, finish as far as music goes. Uh, you know, I can see it finishing the bucket list. I, I think on the next record, I might. I don't like to do soloing forever. Mm-hmm. You know, on and on and on and on. But I'll, I would like to do, you know, a good one, three minute or you know something like that on the next record. Um, at, you know, and we're, we're creating my bucket list as it goes. I mean, outside of music, I don't really have a bucket list. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not. That kind of guy, and grateful how where I've been, and you know all the places I've been, and all that. I'm content, you know, really. Um, especially when you look around, what's going on the world now, you know. As far as music goes, I wouldn't mind uh, buying a Yulian pipe one day, and then that I kind of mimic that on. We used to be Tom, our bagpipe sort of thing, you know. Well, so there's no effect with that song too. That's just uh, a little delay on. Yeah, I've I've heard musicians who have been playing for a long time and then had the nice career ask that question of like, 
if you suddenly had all the money in the world, it was no longer something you needed to worry about. What would you do right now? And the answer is still coming out of them was, well, I keep playing music. It's always about the music. And it sounds like that's sort of the same mindset you've got. It, it's always about the music. Pretty much. I mean, uh, myself and all the other guitar players self-employed, uh, you know, essentially. Um, and, you know, I mean, during COVID where there was nothing going on, I mean, I, I had this going on, but I'm not good at sitting around. You know, if that's retirement, I don't want to know about it. You know, I, I just want to keep playing and working. I like to work and play. And, you know, I'm that kind of guy. I mean, you know. Yeah. That creative juice is flowing and it, it, it wants to find its way out and into something. Well, that, not, not only that, just working, you know, yeah. not sitting around, you know. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, you know, I, I read somewhat, but I'm not a, I'm not like my father who could read to the ends of days and stay in his chair. God bless him, you know. <laughs> but um, God, I'm different, you know, from that. I just need to be out there doing stuff. So yeah. I'm going to do it as long as I can. Yeah. And I feel pretty good right now. So Good. Uh, speaking for the fans, we're very happy to hear that. And oh, yes, on the three, three and a half minutes solo, uh, I'll put my vote in as yes, please. We'll take okay. some of that. Uh, would love to hear I, some of that. It would be melodic and all that. I won't be just shred, 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 shred. It'll got to build it, make it make sense. Get something feel something. I mean, it, you know, it's my I, I, my best times are when you, I make you feel something. Show up, you know, as fast as you can or whatever. You know, and something that, you know, makes you actually feel something, you know? Right. And, uh, You've done that for me on numerous occasions over the years. A particular awesome. one that uh, always has stuck in my head is, um, oh, great. I, and that's exactly what I do whenever I try to think of something. I immediately blank on it <laughs> without you. There we go. From um, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's in particular, I was, it's such a memorable solo to me, but especially the fact that you finish it on those high notes. And I, I don't think I've ever seen video of you doing that or seen it in person. But I'm just sitting there going, where exactly on the fret is he playing at that point in time? It's amazing that I'm you pull above, that off. And I've never heard anybody else do anything like it. I'm above the fret at that point. You know, I was going to say that as a joke. And that shows you how little I know about guitar when I talk about it that way. Is I know there's such a thing as above the fret. <laughs> but yeah, that part is between. And it's, I'm with you. I don't need to just hear somebody shred and shred and shred and shred and shred. There, there is a certain individual well-known in the 80s. I'm not going to drop his name and be mean to him, but I think we all know who he is, who was known so much for the speed that was never my thing. And he was one of my least. And uh, I want to hear creativity. I like to hear feeling. I like to hear the emotion in it. And you know what? If you can wow me a little bit too in the midst of it, great. But you can wow me with slower notes as well as fast notes or whatever. Yeah, yeah I like that too. You know, well, for a minute, but then back off and, you know, you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I've always wanted to sing. Mm -hmm. Secret thing of mine. I've always wanted to sing. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I mean, my range is what you're hearing right now. So I could probably cover <laughs> something in this range, I think. Yeah. But I tried practicing in my car and I just gave up. Um, uh, 
Mm. I had to keep buying paint jobs as the paint melts down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're talking pitching and everything. I was really surprised that I sucked that badly. That's interesting, too, because it's, you know, obviously you, you can hear and understand and replicate music, but somehow I guess it's the, the body, the voice doesn't want to do it for you. Yeah. 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 Huh. I've never heard that before. But I, I can imagine that's got to be frustrating. Not really. No. I just came to grips with it. <laughs> <laughs> there are other people saying, find a great singer, you know. All right, there you go. Radical acceptance is, uh, can go a long way to help, uh, well, our otherwise destructive emotions, right? <laughs> I'll just stick the guitar. And, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the Yulia pipe, too. Now, you've, you're... I guess you were recently on the road. I've lost track, to be honest with you. I was in my own little hole for a week or two myself. So I'd, you're back yeah, from the road home? You're back home? Yeah. We, I missed you. Uh, we bumped heads there. I was really busy. Uh, yeah, we toured uh, most of, well, about almost three weeks in June and almost three weeks in July. Okay. Uh, I got back on the 25th of July. We're going back out in October for three weeks, three and a half weeks over there. Right. And we How's have a couple of shows in Canada. Oh, nice. How's that all been going? Is that, uh, have you seen the audiences coming back pretty strongly? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Really, really good. Did some shows with Deep Purple and Foreigner and really oh. good. Nice venues. Are, are you guys getting to the U.S. at all or no? Um, saga or six by six? Well, Saga, because I guess we're on that one now. But yeah, it's both of you. <laughs> There's no plans right now. No, we yeah. uh, we're kind of out of sight, out of mind, pretty much. Yeah. We'll see what happens. You know, I, I I would really like six by six to start playing America. Right, and there are plans for that. Sounds like so. Some things are starting to get worked out. Well, I'm I'm plugged into the promoters in Europe, so we're that we'll be playing there for sure. Yeah, uh, America has to be worked on yet. You know, we are decidedly hard headed. Well, it, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, basically, you know, Robert's known, I know, and all that kind of stuff, but we're not, you know, uh, household names, you know, I mean, you know, the promoters in America, you know, they, like everybody else, yeah. want to make money, and not a gamble and all that, so, you know, you really have to have enough promo, enough sales, and things like that to be able to pull off your own shows, or it'd be nice to go and open up for people in America because that's right. a great way to get to people in, on yeah. a large scale. The band won't be playing any small places. I don't see any mm. use in doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but if I can, uh, you know, we can get on the tails of a good tour, we'll be in America. Yeah. Excellent. That'd be and great. And off your own stuff too, you know? Yeah. And it's, I mean, honestly, especially this past year or so, it, so many plans were put on hold for so long while COVID was raging. And uh, now it's everybody's out there almost all at the same time, which I yeah. think that might be starting to ease a little bit or not. I'm just forgetting some that could be out there, uh, which can be a good thing because it opens up some opportunities where you're not competing with one another. And at the well, same time, it gives you a lot of opportunities to, to latch on with somebody and tour with them. That's true. That problem started years ago, actually. Oh, yeah? 
with like almost with the event of downloading for free, mm-hmm. all yeah. of a sudden you're seeing all these bands come out of the woodwork because they're not making any, uh, you know, the record royalties. So they, they're coming out. And the promoter told me that it's getting flooded. Mm-hmm. So people have, you know, X amount of dollars in their pocket. And in one week they can see, you know, four or five bands. They got to make a choice with one, you know, right. uh, that's what was going on in Europe. Anyway. I, I, I could tell you personal experience. There's a weekend in September where there's literally, I think, four or five tours, all of which I'd like to see, or maybe probably three or four tours, four or five, six bands, all of which I'd like to see. They're all on the same weekend. So guess what? Oh, yeah, I'm seeing, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not seeing even half of them. So, you know, say la vie. I'll wait till next time, I suppose, and, and hope I get that opportunity. Yeah. So yeah, there there is a bit of a glut. They're taking sales away from each other too, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's the downside of it too. It's this when they're you know because there are some that can do it would be seeing multiples of them, you know, uh, those acts and can't now because they're <laughs> something about that weekend in September means everybody had to do something, right? And it's interesting in that concept because and, and we'll check here because you will very certainly know better than I do. I can only go by what I've read and, and what I remember of what I've read. But I mean, my understanding had been that, you know, if you go back to the seventies, it was all about touring, 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 touring was where you were really looking for the large portion of your money. Then things shifted, I think into the eighties or so towards sales of the music, CDs and records and all that stuff. And then somewhere along the line, like you said, when it came time to streaming and downloading, it shifted back. And is that, am I, is my representing that accurately or how do you remember it? You're close. I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> bands in the sixties and seventies, especially if you played Woodstock, mm. you were an icon, you know, and it's just the way it is, you know, that thing was so big. And, you know, the world was changing and, you know, and all that stuff. I, I think every band on Woodstock became a super band, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and there was lots of record sales. I mean, it was healthier than heck. I, I wasn't old enough to be doing that in the 60s. <laughs> but uh, 70s, uh, yeah, record sales were great. Right up to the beginning of the 80s, I think. Um, actually, no, right up until... Almost right up to ninety, actually. Mm. That's when downloading really kicked in. Yeah. So it was quite healthy that way. So it was in the nineties. I'm seeing all these bands come out from the woodwork. Right. And I thought it retired, even, you know. But. Yeah, the age of streaming has been, I think, in so many ways, a double-edged sword because it makes it easier to find an audience. It seems it's also made it more difficult to make money off of the audience because streaming revenues aren't uh, very impressive uh, from everything I've heard. Yeah. So now it's more about touring and merchandise and such. And, and I guess where you can do it and when you can do it, and it seems everybody is anymore, is, is producing vinyl. So yeah, seems vinyl to be big. It's almost the best thing about the revival of vinyl as a, as a, uh, yeah. as a, as a trend. There we go. That one silver word I couldn't think of. I just got the record and, and vinyl in the mail a uh, couple hours ago. Oh, nice. Okay. I can't admit to still having a uh, record player 
the turntable. It's been a long time for me. I went digital, but I, I buy it when and where I can to make yeah. sure that because I know if you guys aren't selling the music, it's hard to, to make a living mm-hmm. doing it, you know, or if you're not selling concert tickets or T-shirts or whatever. So that's the one thing I've always tried to be very mindful of is supporting the artists that I enjoy and I care about because you want to make sure you get that kind of feedback. Yeah, well, it's uh, 15%, maybe 20% of the market now. A lot of people went back to it. I do not play vinyl myself, but, right. but nevertheless, it's coming back. And then, right, yeah, it's coming back. And I don't even know how many people play it. I think they just have it to have it. It's, it's the new collector's item for uh, music in many yeah. ways. So if you can do it, do it. <laughs> you know, make it where you can. I know there's one question I want to ask you about too, and this is something in getting myself ready. I watched an interview that you were talking last year and that we were pretty prophetic at the time. And, and I kind of, as we just talked about the idea that there was going to be this flood of bands hitting post COVID. So you knew it a year before it happened. So uh, I can imagine it. It's one of those things that comes from the experience long-term, but then I'm curious, is there, is it more satisfaction knowing you were right or frustration now having to compete with all these people while you want to get your own tour lined up? Well, there's no satisfaction, but I mean, uh, uh, Saga hasn't been bothered with uh, this at all. Yeah. No. Uh, You know, it has a big, big audience for itself, especially in Europe. Yeah. And they were all sold out. So I don't have a problem at all. You know, if they weren't, it'd be kind of, you know, it'd be different. But, you know, okay. but uh, honestly, we went, we went great. Yeah. That's good to know. Because it's, again, like we talked about it, if it's tripping you up and you can't get out, obviously that's a problem. But yeah. when you're established enough with where you're going, that does sort of give you a slightly protected status. Right. <laughs> Yes, of course. You know, bands trying to uh, come up and up right now. There's a few prog bands that are quite good, but, you know, they, they didn't get the exposure like Saga did in the 80s, MTV and all these big tours and all that. You know, they're trying to do it with just um, a little bit of media and and that's it. And there's a lot of people in the world, you know, uh, that are moving on with their lives. You have to get to them somehow. So, you know, we're past that with Saga. Right. But I'm back into it with Six by Six. <laughs> I guess the Imagine does feel like starting over again in some ways, huh? Sure. Yeah, it's all taken, uh, it's all taken time. But I just wanted to do it right. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the way it's going right now. And the next real big leap is for us to start playing. Right. Get out there and start playing. Yeah. And that's going to happen. But, uh, you know, this year, I mean, the record comes out August 19th. Uh, Nigel has some Saxon shows. I've, I've got well, three weeks in, in Europe in October. And then November, uh, well, the right thing came up. I jumped on that. Yeah, I'm working on it right now. I've got my eyes open with explorers for the right tour for 6 by 6 to do. Yeah. So I've had a couple of good offers uh, that aren't set in stone. I can't really talk about. Sure. And I'm waiting to see if they get confirmed. You know, we will be playing, David. You know. Yes. Well, I'm glad to hear that, and I'm hoping it's going to be in the U.S. I, like I said, I know 
Yeah, probably right. having that connection, obviously, with Saga in Europe is going to probably grease the wheels a little bit because there is going to be that, that connection, that name recognition there. Um, but I, I think, I mean, there, there's, there's so much variation of music out there these days. There's almost always somewhere I think people can fit in and connect to at some point. Well, you know, we went like a few gold American records. I'm hoping to wake up those people if it was six by six and then get them on the side and get out there and do some shows. Yeah. It's going to take a little time. It'll all happen in 23, I'm sure. Yeah, based on what you're talking about timing right now, I can see that. Yeah. And I've started seeing reviews rolling out for the album. And yeah, yeah, but I've seen very positive. Uh, I didn't get to read the entirety of it because I was tied up most of the day today, but it was the first day I saw one. I went, ah, there we go. And, and I mean, I've heard it myself and absolutely it's, uh, I was trying to, where was, I think I had it written down here somewhere, but there we go. Rock band that's deceptively proggy or perhaps a prog brand, yeah, prog band that is deceptively accessible. <laughs> I don't know if that jives with your description or not, but it's a little bit there as both. Like you guys have a little bit of your own niche there, but it's, it's definitely guitar oriented. And yet it still has that expansive feel that hits the, hits, hits the note for me. Perfect. <laughs> there you go. So I, I'm hoping the reactions you've been seeing so far are uh, equally positive. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you do, yeah. Good. Yeah, I, I want to see that. I'm invested myself personally a little bit. Like I said, it's, it's a longtime fan. I am invested in seeing that be successful for you guys, uh, just on my own personal vicarious side of things here. And, you know, obviously you clearly have a passion for what you did with this record and, and are obviously looking forward to really taking it out there on the road and seeing how people react. Oh yeah. 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 All right. Well, excellent, sir. I appreciate again, you giving me the time today. I was so glad to get to talk to you. It's uh, like I said, it's one of those things where a 13 year old me is going, Oh, this is, you, why you talk to who? Bullshit. You know, that was never going to happen. You would never get to talk to him. But so, no, I, I'm, I'm thrilled. I, I've, been, I've enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, me too, David. Awesome. Nice talking to you, buddy. Excellent. Thank you down the road, you know? I, God willing, you know? I, I do want to see you guys play. I, I think that yeah, would be amazing. around the Philly, uh, you know, we got passes. And... That would be awesome. Absolutely awesome. So, all right. Well, thank you again. I, I wish you guys all the luck with the album. I hope the reviews uh, continue to be glowing and positive and the tour is up and running soon and we get to see you in the Philly area, God willing. Thank you very much, sir. All right. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye now. All right. And there you have it. I don't think I can adequately express what a thrill it has been to talk with someone whose work has been a mainstay in my music collection since I was a teenager. Totally enjoyed hearing his insights, and his stories, and, and just hearing his passion for playing. I am absolutely looking forward to seeing them perform live when they finally get out on the road. Very excited for that. So meanwhile, 6x6's self-titled debut will be out August 19th, wherever you find music. And take note, like we talked about in the interview, two vinyl editions. So get out there and get your copy soon. And reviews are already rolling in. 
and every one of them I've read so far is very enthusiastic. Not really a surprise there now, is it? And I, I once again want to thank Ian for his time and his kindness in talking to me. Absolutely had a great time. He's such a nice guy. And I want to wish him and the rest of 6 by 6 huge success with this and with the tour. I hope it's big for you guys. I hope it's massive. Thank you for joining me once again for Bleeding Edge Interviews. Just a quick reminder, you can find me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you haven't already, please check out my other interviews. They are available wherever you find podcasts. Just search under Toxic Radio. They are also available through ToxicRadio.net as well as the free Toxic Radio app. Meanwhile, remember Bleeding Edge is on every Saturday, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time, featuring only the best in prog metal, alt metal, and anything else that rocks hard and pushes the boundaries. This is Super Dave signing off.